you want to turn with me to your Bibles, we are going to be talking in a lot of it. Um, we are going to start out in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 all the way through 28. And if you don't follow along, it's fine because like I said, we're going to be reading a lot of the Word today. This will be in the New King James Version. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, and over every little living thing that moves. So this verse basically just tells us that God did create man. He is the creator. So moving on down, I'm going to go to Genesis 2, 21 through 23. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he, set, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib in which the Lord God had taken from man, he who made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Verse 23, And Adam said, This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one fresh. So now, at this point... In the creation, Lord, the Lord God has created man and woman. So he is starting to form something here, right? He's formed man, he's formed woman. So he is creating. What is he creating? We're going to go down to, uh, let's jump ahead to Genesis 4, 1, 2. Um, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time to her, his brother Abel. So there it is. God has created the first family on planet Earth. And that's where we're going with this today. Is we're going to talk about family. So, um, not only did God create man in his image, he also created the family in the image of him. You have man, the father, woman, the mother, and the child. We have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. See, he created them, uh, uh, the, he created them as the trinity of trinity, the Godhead, and he, he made the family. And it's not everybody thinks of the, the man as just the image of God, but the family is the image of the Godhead. So... They all have different personalities and purposes blended into one family. All three have equal importance, and they all have, they all have to have each other to function properly. This is the formula to create a kingdom family. I myself have been extremely blessed in my time here on earth, and most people think of blessings, not, I can't say that, blessings a lot are portrayed as materialistic things. 
And it took me, you know, and I, I just kind of come upon this, but I have been blessed in such a, a way of my family. I grew up in a Christian household with parents who were married their whole life. Both sets of my grandparents were blessed to be married their whole time. I don't know what it's like to be in a broken home. And that is the biggest blessing probably of my life, honestly. All my grandparents, my parents, very faith-filled people, love the Lord. And then my grandma Ruth has to be my dad's mom. <laughs> God bless her. She's, a, she's been with Jesus now for about 10 years. But I tell you what, that woman was an evangelist. Let me tell you a little bit about Grandma Ruth. So she catch wind there's a new family moving into Kidder. And she would be at the front door with a plate of cookies and a pie before they even got the furniture out of the cattle trailer. I mean, I'm telling you, she could not wait to get over there and invite them to church on Sunday. <laughs> she, um, she was just, she was such a praying and faithful woman. And my Uncle Greg, who would be, uh, he would have been the middle child, I guess. He, he's my uncle, my dad's oldest, older brother. He, um, he told me a story about Grandma Ruth one time. See, my Uncle Greg was in Vietnam. And um, I always knew that, but I was always told not to ask him about it. Don't ever ask Uncle Greg about his time in Vietnam. He won't talk about it. Excuse me. So a few months ago, we were chatting, and somehow he brought it up. And I didn't pry, but I wanted to know. Because I knew he got shot when he was there. His arm, his arm is, is, is very, you can tell, something... Something happened. So he got shot while he was there. But he told me the story a few months ago about that day. You see, their platoon, he was a medic. He was a medic in Vietnam. So um, that, that day that their platoon got ambushed, um, he was out trying to save the lives of his um, his platoon as they were getting shot and he said that there were bullets flying past his ears and under his feet and he was just running trying to save anybody he could and that's when one got him in the arm and he said that there's no way that I should have been out of there alive the odds the too many bullets there was odds there was no way that I could ever make it out of there come to find out after the fact that at the, <clears throat> at the exact same time that that platoon got ambushed, my grandmother and a bunch of ladies at the church had called a prayer vigil specifically for him. So they were all laying on their faces at the church, lifting him up as he was dodging bullets. That is a miracle. That is a miracle. That's... I couldn't believe I finally got, I mean, he finally told me a story, man. But. And that's what family, praying for family, will do. My dad, Steve, when he was 21, was in a terrible farming accident. He uh, 
Dad was a great athlete. He was playing football in Missouri Western, but then he'd come home and he'd work on the farm. Um, he was out feeding cows, and they had an auger wagon they'd feed these cows with, and he made a bad choice and climbed up in that auger wagon while I was running to try to push the feed down, and he slipped and fell, and that auger wrapped around his leg, tore his leg off. I don't know if you guys know much about tractors and augers, but they don't just stop. It should have mangled him up completely and killed him. I shouldn't be standing here today. So how did that tractor stop? How did that auger stop? God. My grandparents praying protection over their kids, their grandkids. Family praying for family. Putting protection around them. So, my parents, grandparents, very faithful, loving, praying people, and it's been such a blessing. And you know, the, the five years I've been coming here to Passion Church, I've heard so many crazy testimonies, just testimonies that make your jaw drop, make you start tearing up in the eyes. It's just, it amazes me the paths that so many have walked down and have had to overcome. And, you know, I want everybody, you know, everybody know that I'm proud of everybody who's, who's overcome any situations like that. It's just, I don't, I don't know how you've done it. I mean, just, because it is, it's easy. It's easy to stay in the world, isn't it, Zeke? It's easy to live in the world. It's not easy to choose righteousness. It's a tough decision, but it's freedom, isn't it? Amen. So, you know, and I don't have a testimony like that. I don't have... I don't have the big God pulled me out of a bullet or, or pulled me out of drugs as I was going to get killed on the last drug deal. I don't have a testimony like that. And for the longest time, I was like, does God really, I mean, does he really love me? Do I really have him in me? Because I've never been pulled out of such a, a pit. I haven't. Where's my God experience? I want some big testimony to tear people up. <laughs> and I realized I don't have to have one. I had family do it for me. I had family praying for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've walked through our wilderness, our wilderness, haven't we, babe? We, we've had our, we've had our wildernesses. Um, you know, we've been in very sticky situations where we just had to cry, "God help." And you know, that's the, wrong, the strongest one-word prayer. One-word prayer anybody can say is "help." He hears that. It doesn't have to be a big, long, drawn-out. Help! Help me! He'll hear that just as well as he hear anything. He already knows what you need help with. You don't have to spill it all out. He knows. Help! I remember when AC, or Megan had AC, and I delivered her, for one, Aislinn. The doctor decided not to be there on time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I helped deliver Aislinn. And then Megan hemorrhaged and was laying there bleeding to death in the hospital bed. And I was standing outside, 
You think I had a whole lot of words? No. Help! And he did. Doctor got there, blood transfusions, everything. She's still sitting here. And then we got Knox. I mean, he's just a walking testimony, so <laughs> I won't get into all of him. <laughs> but, you know, that's what families are for. They're there to lift you up, stand by you, cry help with you. And I'm not just talking about your family and your family tree and your lineage. I'm talking about the church family too, right? And you know, for us to have a healthy, strong church body, we must be in order at our home. We have to have the order of God aligned in our home. I'm going to jump back into the word here. Ephesians 5, 21 through 23. Ephesians 5, 21 through 23. You know, I suggested to a young man who was uh, uh, just coming back into the, the faith there not too long ago. I said, man, you want to really learn how to, how to live, read, read the book of Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 5, 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the, head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as a church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of water by the word, that he may he might present her to her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. You see how the Lord ties our households in with our church body? For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless... Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let his wife see that she respects her husband. Continue on into chapter 6. Children, this is very important. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in training and admiration for the Lord. You see, when we get these principles down that Paul writes about, and we apply them in our home, our families will flourish and they will be at peace. 
Does anyone know the definition of the word love that Paul is writing about in this context? I'm going to assume if you do, you're probably not going to yell it out. <laughs> to righteously and compassionately pursue the well-being of another. Is that sinking in? Righteously and compassionately pursuing the well-being of another. Men, we are to love our wives. We are, we are to righteously pursue her well-being. You are the head of your house. You are the head of your house. When Satan tricked Eve into eating from the forbidden tree, God didn't come looking for her. What did he say when he was walking through the cool, still morning? He knew who took a bite of that apple. But he says, Adam, where are you? You are responsible for this house. So, man, you are responsible for everything under that roof. Women, it's your turn. You are to respect and honor your husband. Build him up. Build him up. Men like their ego boosted. We want to puff our chest out. And we want our woman to. I mean, really, seriously, don't you? Don't you want your women to be proud of you? And men love their ego to be stroked. I mean, it's just the way it is. In a humble, righteous manner, you know. But I mean, what's better than a confident man? Right? And together, you're to discipline and demand respect from your children in a compassionate and righteous manner. Discipline in a righteous manner. This will unify the home. You, when you, you see, when you have order and unification in the home, it makes it so much easier to come to the church and help unify the body of the church. When things are right at home, it makes things so much smoother as a bigger family as we all come together. And when a body of believers come together for a, good, for a common purpose, it becomes powerful and God will move. And then when we go outside of these walls, so we've all come together, and then we go outside of these walls and we're preaching the gospel and we're bringing in people they're going to ask, where do I start? How? Number one, ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior, you know, the salvation prayer. And number two, show them how to get their house in order. Bringing the tradition back, the tradition of family, and the order of family, and Jesus into families, is how we will get this country back on track. I think that's when it, when the families started falling apart and they lost sight of the Lord and they saw, lost sight of how the Lord wants their families aligned is when everything starts snowballing in this country. And I think that's going to be the root of getting our country back on track is to help build families. And we've got lots of future generations right here in this church that we can start with and then we need to go outside these walls and start with them. Show them how. So all families have their struggles, disagreements, and failures. 
no doubt about that. It's part of building strength and character. You know, and unfortunately, some families end up broken and split and, and, you know. But they don't, you know, and although those families maybe never get physically back together, they can be mended. Their hearts can be mended. I mean, look, the very first family here on earth, one brother murdered the other one. Four people on this planet and one of them dies. You know, at that point, God could have just soccer kicked the earth a million light years away and thrown his hands up and said, well, I'll start again later, you know, but, but he didn't, you know, he didn't because he's a merciful God and he has grace for everyone, including all of us right here. He has grace for every one of you. And I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your family history looked like. You can start right here today for the generations to come. Right here today. I, I was sitting, uh, sitting at the kitchen table there the other night, and I must have been a deep dock, and Megan's like, what are you thinking about? You haven't moved for uh, two minutes. So apparently I was in deep dock, but, and I don't even know what I was thinking about. But you know how when you have kids, the most random toys are just kind of sitting everywhere? You just look up and there's like, wow, wh where did that come from and why? So I'm sitting there at the kitchen table, and this is sitting in front of me. Why do I have an hourglass in front of me? I don't know. So I flip it, and I sit there and I watch it. Kind of fun to watch, isn't it? So I flip it again. I was like, now, I wonder how long that really is. So I got my uh, iPhone out and I timed it. <laughs> that right there, 10 seconds. And I just kept flipping it. Did you know that 56 million people every year die off this planet? They leave this planet. 56 million people leave this planet every year. Did you know that's two people every second? This is the third time I'm flipping this over. So every time I flip that over, that's 20 people that's left this planet. Right now we're almost to 60 people that's just left this planet. Working on 80. It seems so long, but when you put it in that perspective, it seems so quick. It can happen anytime, anywhere. There's 100 people that went to their next destination. Where's that going to be? I'd just like to encourage anybody that maybe has some issues with their family, past, present, future. Maybe you have a child that's wayward. Maybe you just want to lift up your future generations. Is there something that needs to be healed in your family? Somewhere it needs to be mended. Psalms 142 tells me, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. 
I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. Does anybody in here have trouble today that you need to come to the altar and give it to the Lord? If you do, come. Come, he's waiting. If you just want to come and, like I said, just place a protection around your future generations, the next kids. The altar's here. God is waiting for your troubles. We have ministers waiting to help you.